Well, there is a little more caution this morning. Equities are down, but let's face it, that is from record highs. And there's no doubt Omicron uncertainty is adding to this cautious mood. But we also have central bank uncertainty and quite a bit of it this week. And a bit of employment and inflation data to come as well. It's a whole lot of who knows what is going on right now. So naturally, a bit of caution. But we'll work our way through it all this Tuesday, the 14th of December 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. This is what you'd call a slow news day, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, not a lot going on, but a bit of a change in mood this morning. Investors and perhaps listening to yesterday's podcast when we were a little bit more downbeat, but uh, not huge moves. But the Nasdaq has lost 0.9%, almost as much for the Dow, 0.6% down for the S&P 500, and 0.8% loss for the FTSE 100, and 0.4% down for the US stocks 50. The US dollar is up a little more. Not on the yen, though, or the Swiss franc. They've held their value. The gains... Uh, made by the US dollar or on the Canadian dollar and the Aussie dollar. The Aussie has lost 0.6%. So a little more caution there that's seen big falls in bond yields. 10-year treasuries down six basis points. The same in Canada and parts of Europe. German 10-year bonds down three basis points, down four uh, for UK 10-year gilts. Brent crude down 0.9%. WTI losing half a percent, but that is minor compared to the big moves down in European gas prices, 10% or so. So certainly a bit more caution uh, to talk about that. Here's NAB's Tapas Strickland in Sydney. So, you know, let, when we look at equities, Tapas, I guess we shouldn't get too carried away about equities falling because the S&P 500 did hit a record high at the beginning of the week. Um, bond yields might be down, but they're still higher than a week ago, pretty much uh, right across the curve. So the market's really, I mean, it looks like, you know, it's a, a day of caution, but the market's really just taking a bit of stock ahead of when we've got quite a few central bank decisions to, to look out for this week. So I guess there's a bit of treading water, isn't there? Hey, good morning, Phil. Yeah, the next couple of days you shouldn't expect too much out of financial markets, just given those major risk events that you alluded to later on in the week, starting off with the US Fed meeting on Wednesday, the Bank of England and the ECB on Thursday. And then even in Australia, we get a pretty chunky day on Thursday with Governor Lowe speaking uh, latest budget update uh, and the labor force uh, numbers as well. So I don't really expect too much in the way of um, significant moves in that sense in terms of the narrative. But what we did see overnight was slight risk aversion there. And really the headlines driving that is the concerns around the Omicron variant that hit the wires. And um, a few of those were uh, Goldman's has asked its UK staff to work from home. Uh, China has re- reported its first Omicron case, and the significance behind that is obviously China is running a zero COVID uh, policy at, at the moment. Uh, and just given the transmissibility of the Omicron variant, it's quite likely that uh, more or at least tighter restrictions will be uh, put into place around those kind of areas. Um, and interestingly, the UK Prime Minister gave a speech where he noted that uh, Omicron now represents around 44% of all virus cases in London and uh, around uh, 20% of cases in England, and also reported the first death of someone who had Omicron uh, as, as well that we know globally. And um, we don't actually mm. know what the person actually died from, whether they died from other no, exactly. symptoms. Might yeah. have been a car or, accident. Whether, <laughs> or whether they died from Omicron. So it still remains very early from from this. But at least from the studies that we have seen globally, it's still pointing towards Omicron being uh, relatively mild compared to the Delta variant. But just uh, appreciating that we're still relatively yeah. early in assessing that. A, a tidal wave of Omicron is what uh, Boris Johnson called it. So, uh, you know, that's enough to... Uh, put the, uh, uh, the the frighteners on anybody, isn't it, really? But if we look at stocks, I mean, that, that certainly the caution seems to be 
even though, you know, as we said, they're coming off highs. But it's banks, car companies, travel, fuel companies, you know, all suggesting less demand for travel. And then you look at the stocks that are doing well. They are the consumer staples, real estate, utilities, all doing okay. So it's all those uh, stay-at-home stocks that are doing well. Yeah, and just to re emphasize that the S&P 500 closed at a record high last week. Yeah. And uh, I think f- for the whole of this year, that would have been at 67th record high of 2021. So um, we're still at very punchy levels in terms of uh, s- uh, stocks here. So um, this correction that we have seen overnight, I think it's too early to say whether it's, start, whether it's the start of anything bigger. Uh, the, the situation in Australia, even though the UK, because Boris Johnson does sound like he's going a bit crazy over all of this. It may be an overreaction. Uh, Australia is taking a very different stance, isn't it? Uh, opening the borders tomorrow uh, for skilled workers or students. You've got the chief medical officer, Paul Kelly, saying that, look, Omicron's all manageable. The UK has a very different view, even though they've got many more people triple jabbed. In the UK, they're saying, we're going to have everyone jabbed by the end of December. That is a million. Uh, they're not going to do it because that's a million people a day, which is twice what they've been running at uh, recently. Uh, but, I mean, is Australia letting the drawbridge down? I mean, there's got to be an element of risk, hasn't there? Oh, I'm sure there's an element of risk, but at least our medical officials have looked at the experience internationally and have concluded that um, the Omicron variant is manageable from a public health perspective. Mm. And I think the other thing just worth noting as well is the surge in cases of the Omicron variant suggests it's very hard to contain this variant with any with any harder restrictions. Um, so in yeah. the UK, it's only been, what, a couple of weeks. Uh, flights have already been shut uh, to and from Southern Africa, and yet you've got the Omicron variant making up around uh, 44% of cases in London. So, uh, well, from, from 696 mm. to 4,487 yeah. in four days. Yeah. So, And a, th- a third of those came from, from, yeah. from yesterday. So, uh, yeah, it's spreading yeah. rapidly, that's for yeah. sure. And, and, and I guess uh, the, the Australian authorities will be guided by uh, the medical advice there, but at least the medical advice that Australia is looking at suggests it is manageable at this mm. stage. All right. Now, the NAB business survey is out today. The Aussie economy uh, has largely surprised, of course, at the speed of recovery, strong business conditions and, uh, and business confidence last time. And Victoria was still in lockdown, wasn't it, So last time? So this is this is a clear result in that respect for November. So it should be pretty strong. Yeah, uh, no hints from me in terms of the uh, NAB business survey. Well, you don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, what, what we will be looking for, um, at least, is if there's any reaction to the Omicron headlines that um, have been doing the rounds over the past couple of weeks and the separately reported uh, weekly consumer confidence figures that are also out today uh, suggest consumers aren't all that fearful of the Omicron variant. All right and gas prices this is a crazy situation is it in in Europe and who knows how this is going to be resolved for the UK to an extent but certainly mainland Europe uh, a sharp rise in gas prices again today for reasons we've talked about before Germany isn't approving the uh, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline from Russia and then we've got this question about Russian troops ready on the Ukrainian border uh, and all this while, while all of this uncertainty is going on and prices are rising, we're seeing gas reserves reducing in uh, uh, in in Europe. I mean, not at desperate levels, but they are going down. So that's making the whole situation worse. Uh, who knows how this one ends? Oh, definitely. And also because countries are drawing down on their gas reserves, I think it's going to take a while for them to replenish those reserves. So all that demand for energy is likely to extend into next winter as well. Absolutely. Look, I, I, we've got a bit of time because it's a fairly quiet day today. I was reading a paper which you might find interesting from the Bank of England uh, this morning, actually only out just an hour or so ago, saying half of the 13% increase that they've seen in, in residential property prices over the last year in the UK, half of it has been what they're calling the race for space. So it's people 
in London moving from flats to houses and people from London moving to outside London. So the differential between London and the rest of Britain has reduced. And those two factors account for half of the increase in prices, they reckon. So, I mean, that suggests the Bank of England doesn't need to worry too much about house price inflation or lessens the the concern, doesn't it? Because, you know, a chunk of people are wanting more, not having to pay more for, for the same thing. So I wonder whether that influences the, the speed of their decision-making. Oh, it's an interesting observation and really plays towards that view, towards the move to the country and the sea change that really occurred during the lockdowns as people really were dissatisfied about the state of housing that they were living in and were seeking a change in, in, in the country or in regional areas. Um, how that plays out from a monetary policy uh, perspective, I think is um, probably not as, as clear Um it's, it's, it's quite clear that Bank of England is more worried about consumer price inflation than house price inflation. So I don't necessarily think it'll have a bearing in terms of the BOE meeting itself. And uh, separately, analysis that we've done in terms of Australia can fully explain the rise in national house prices just by how low interest rates yeah. are today and uh, by how how much rates have fallen. So if you look at the theoretical purchasing power, uh, since 2019, that has increased by about 23%. And that's pretty much how much house prices have risen since yeah, the yeah. pandemic. Yeah, funny that, isn't it? If you push interest rates down, people spend more on houses. Who'd have thought that? Uh, look, today, uh, UK unemployment numbers. We get Europe's industrial production for October. We get the small business survey for the United States, the NFIB survey. Uh, producer prices uh, for the United States for November tonight as well. I should imagine that would, that will be, is going to represent a reasonably sharp shift. It was 8.6% year-on-year in October. Are we expecting that to go higher? Oh, yes, definitely. And we look more closely at the core PPI, so excluding the food and energy components, and that's expected to go to 7.2% year-on-year from 6.8% year-on-year previously. And so that would suggest a little bit more upward pressure in terms of the inflation cycle for the US. And uh, into next year, we'll be looking at exactly when does that inflation cycle start to peak and when does that tilt from goods to services plays out. We've been highlighting that trend for some time in the morning call, but obviously with the Delta variant earlier this year, it has pushed out that timeline a little bit. And uh, so it's, it's, it's quite conceivable going into next year, you start to see that tilt from goods to services starting to play out, which may start to alleviate some of the more acute inflation pressures. Now, the mass of central bank meetings are still to come uh, later on in the week, but we have had one this week, which, which might be an example of how not to do it, because the one central bank has been Turkey cutting interest rates, even though inflation is sky high, it's over 20%, the Turkish lira is rapidly losing value. But uh, I mean, that is part of their plan, isn't it? I mean, maybe it's a bit crazy, but they're thinking, well, okay, if if we can devalue the Turkish lira, then we're going to export more, that's going to bring more money into the country. Uh, An interesting scheme, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But it's counterintuitive, certainly the opposite of what every other central bank is doing right now. Uh, Definitely. And uh, just to um, hark back to the FX theme, that you had there. If you look at the Turkish lira, I think it slumped by 48% against the US dollar this year. So that tells you uh, exactly what financial markets exactly think of that alternative monetary policy there. Um, and uh, since September, I think the Central Bank of Turkey has slashed rates by 400 basis points. So very much continuing along with that easing path. But it's very hard to see uh, inflation starting to tame down if you do have the lira falling against the dollar by so Yeah, much. still a cheap place to go for holiday if you're able to travel, wouldn't it? But uh 
maybe that's part of the plan too. Anyway, uh, look, look, a short one today. I think we really have genuinely run out of things to talk about. Normally we are trying to cram as much in, but it just shows what a quiet day it's been. But look, we're going to make up for it later on in the week, that's for sure, uh, as we hear more from Central Bank. So we'll leave it there for now. Uh, we'll enjoy a shorter edition. Good talk, Tapas. Cheers. I think so. And that's it. I'm Phil Darby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. Have a good one. See you then.